Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Unfortunately for you guys, I had to wake up from the nap yeah. to do this. Yeah. So and I'm just feeling like super nauseous. So this should be a good time. Uh, ready? What is that face, Julie? It's, that's an off-air conversation face. <laughs> oh goodness! And now I'm scared. Never leave us, listeners. I don't want to have this conversation. With you. <laughs> Um, look, what are we doing today, Jill? Um, we're taking maybe like a slight sidestep, but not an entire sidestep from conspiracy. No. I mean, it's linked to a conspiracy we've talked about before. Correct. Which is 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I think this, I didn't know this woman existed until you told me about it. <laughs> I was like, hey, do me a favor, Google this person. Yeah. And I was like, what? This person actually exists? That's horrible. Mm. I think there is so much information out there around things, whether it's true or not, makes it really hard to work out what you believe and what you don't believe. But you know what's fun? I asked you to research it because I know of it and I have in the past, like, really heard her story. Yeah. But I've forgotten it. (laughs) I should read you this article. Again, we're reading straight from the article, guys. This one's from the New York Times. It was written in on September 27th, 2007 by David Dunlop and Serge Kowalewski. Um, look at us go already. Look, maybe it's not going to be a bad night for high time recording. At the moment, I'm still wondering if I'm going to project a vomit all over the microphone. But we're going to be fine. Okay. Hmm. Tanya Head's story... As shared over the years with reporters, students, friends, and hundreds of visitors to Ground Zero was a remarkable account of both life and death. She had, she said, survived the terror attack on the World Trade Center despite having been badly burned when the plane crashed into the upper floors of the South Tower. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Um, I'm sorry, did you say exciting? Well, it would be if you had found a survivor... Who True. wasn't yeah. from a floor that nobody else survived on? You yeah. have hope then. This ti- this article, by the way, is called In a 9-11 Survival Tale, The Pieces Just Don't Fit. So here's what's coming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> crawling through the chaos and carnage on the 78th floor that morning, she said she encountered a dying man who handed her his inscribed wedding ring, which she later returned to his widow. 
Her own life was saved, she said, by a selfless volunteer who staunched the flames on her burning clothes before she was helped down the stairs. It was a journey, she said, she had the strength to make because she kept thinking of a beautiful white dress she was to wear at her coming marriage ceremony to a man <laughs> named Dave. Wow. That's a sentence. Yeah. That was, that, was a, that was basically one whole sentence. Um, so she's like, she get in her head all she can think about is the fact she's getting married to this guy and that's what is motivating her to keep going. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but later she would discover, she said, that Dave, her fiancé, and in some versions her husband, had perished in the North Tower. Ma'am. Mine too. Yep, that's where mine went. Well, your story is pretty much as true as this. <laughs> as a matter of history, Ms. Head's account made her one of only 19 survivors who had been at or above the point of impact when the planes hit. As a matter of emotion, her story deeply moved audiences like college students to whom she spoke and visitors at Ground Zero, where she has long led tours for the Tribute WTC Visitor Centre for visitors including Mayor Michael R. Bloomberg, former Mayor Rudolph uh, I can never say Giuliani. Yeah. And former governor George Pataki. You can you can't say Giuliani, but you can say Pataki. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair fair. Whatever. I know, I'm not Giuliani. gonna argue with you. Uh <laughs> what I witnessed there I will never forget, she told a gathering at Baruch Baruch Bar- I can't say that one. What is that word, Julie? Baruch? Baruch, maybe. Baruch. Oh, that sounds familiar. College. American listeners, please let us know what we've done wrong. At a memorial event in 2006. (laughs) It was a lot of death and destruction, but I only saw hope. Much of Ms. Head's account was posted on the website of the World Trade Center Survivors Network, a non-profit organization for which she served as president and as point person for corporate donations. She's gone, like, real far. So, like, but she's giving a lot of hope to people. Yeah! Yeah. This is where it gets sad, guys. (laughs) No part of her story, it turns out, has been verified. The family and friends of the man to whom she claimed to be engaged say they have never heard of Tanya Head and view the relationship she describes with the man who truly died in the North Tower as an impossibility. Okay. Fact number one. Uh, Wrong. Okay, there's two situations that could possibly be happening here. One, she knew of this man. Somehow. Yes. And had, like, an epic crush on him. And it's like, now's my chance to tell the world that we were together. (laughs) Spew. Or, two, she's not smart enough to pick a fake name. Well, or maybe that's just the first name that came to her head. I'm gonna say... Dave Smith. Mm, Done. Picked it. Yeah. So stupid. But not right, and nobody checked it before they published anything online or let her speak to people. Um, A spokeswoman of Merrill Lynch and Company, where she told people she worked at the time of the terror attack, said the company had no record of employing a tenure head. So there is also that. And few people, it seems, who embraced the gripping immediacy and pain of her account ever asked the name of the man whose ring she had returned or that of the hospital where she was treated, or the identities of the people she met with in the South Tower on the morning of 9-11. So nobody asked her any questions. Because she seems so legit. She seems so lovely. She's (laughs) Spanish-ish. 
she would have had a really nice melody to her voice. They would have just really liked it. So what she said, lady, wasn't listening. <laughs> she never shared those details, and it was nothing we wanted to probe, said Alison Crowther, the mother of Wallace Remy Crowther, a man who died on 9-11 and who is credited with rescuing a number of people from the South Tower, including, by Mrs. Head's account, Ms. Head. I felt it was too private and painful for her. Huh. So they didn't ask her because they didn't want to, like, pry. Okay, sometimes it's okay to pry. Yeah, and I guess, like, I mean, it was a really sad time and you didn't want to hurt someone more by being like, you're yeah, lying. maybe they, I guess. Maybe they're like, oh, I'll leave the prying to the court case. But if, I guess if I was his family, the guy she said she was engaged to, and I knew it was wrong, I'd probably be like, uh, questions. Yeah. Not only questions, but, um, you're a big fat liar. Your pants are on fire. Oi, too soon. Uh... <laughs> In recent weeks, the New York Times sought to interview Ms. Head about her experiences on 9-11 because she had, in other settings, presented a poignant account of survival and loss. But she cancelled three scheduled interviews, citing her privacy and emotional turmoil, and declined to provide details to corroborate her story. (coughs) During a telephone conversation on Tuesday, she would not explain her reticence saying only that she had not filed any claims with the Federal Victim Compensation Fund. I have done nothing illegal, Ms. Head said. That is the fund that, <coughs> I think... Sorry, guys, for copying straight into the microphone. Before. <laughs> Got that right in your ear. Sexy. <laughs> um, I think that's the Victim Compensa- Compensation Fund, that there's some, um, as they say in with the youths these days, hoo-ha, um, about. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, because... They're stopping... Yeah, funding. Funding. Which is awkward and sad. Yeah. You're um, welcome. She has retained a lawyer. Remember, this was 2007. Uh, Stephanie Fergang Adwar to represent her. Also on Tuesday, in response to a question about the accuracy of Ms. Head's account, Ms. Adwar said in an email message, with regard to the veracity of my client's story, neither my client nor I have any comment. No one has suggested that Ms. Head did anything to profit financially from her position as an officer with the Survivors Network, the non-profit group for which she helped to raise money. But the organisations with which she has been affiliated have also questioned her account after learning of the inquiries from the Times. For several weeks, colleagues who said they respected the good work she had done as a fixture in the Survivor community have pressed her to come forward with clarifying details, but they said that they have been unable to persuade her, or, in other cases, that she made representations that contradicted previous versions she had given. Guys. So much so that I think we should take a break. I think we should. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just a little stunned. Super shady. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, she sounds like a stand-up kind of gal. Well, the next section is called A Resume with Many Holes, and I'm going to skip that bit just for time reasons, and we've linked this article in our episode notes, so if you want to go back and read exactly how many holes how many she holes has in her resume. resume. She's just, from what my understanding of it, is that she's just really, really slap happy with a hole punch. <laughs> She was the president of the Survivors Network. Like, she's she. I think she knows how to to weave a good story too. 
not just not just admin. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna jump down to the next section. <laughs> Recalling a fiery escape, Ms. Head, who lives in Midtown Manhattan, became a board member of the Survivors Network about a year after its establishment. I understand. The story she shared with people was that she had been on the 96th floor of the South Tower, which was occupied by the Fiduciary Trust Company International. You just said the word fiduciary. (laughs) Mickey! When the North Tower was hit by the first plane at 8.46am, she was up there, according to her own account, as a Merrill Lynch employee helping to close a merger between Fiduciary Trust and Franklin Resources Incorporated. You know, I can't say Franklin Resources Incorporated, though. But Fiduciary rolls off the tongue. So far. Um, you know how I know Merrill Lynch? How? Friends. <laughs> when in the alternate universe where Phoebe works yeah. for Merrill Lynch. A nice one. Friends taught us everything we know, other than musicals. Brand new podcast. <laughs> Shoddy, shoddy, shoddy it. Trademark copyright. Stamped. Stamped. (laughs) Miss Head has described how a severely burned man on the floor handed her his wedding ring as she crawled past. A ring she returned to the man's grieving widow months later. Super lispy today, guys. Bear with me. (laughs) Miss Head has not publicly disclosed the identity of that family. She has spoken, though, of being rescued by Mr. Crowther, a 24-year-old equities trader and volunteer firefighter from Rockland County, who is credited with saving several people in the South Tower by leading them to the only stairs in either tower not severed by the planes. But Mr. Crowther, who is believed to have worn a red bandana that day, did not escape himself. Okay. Miss Mr. Crowther, who was believed to have worn a red bandana that day. What the heck? I don't know. That's but random also, journalism. another person... Who can't, like, give us the facts oh. that she's telling us. I mean, to be honest, if I was there on the day, I would not know, like, a head from a butthole. No. But how does she know all these names? Did she come up with the names or did she just describe the people and they were like, oh, that's that it guy. It was 2001. This all was Google. That's true. It was, if there was Neopets, it was Google. <laughs> Miss um, Head has said that she awoke to find Mr. Crowther extinguishing, extinguishing the flames on her clothes. Five days later, she has said she regained consciousness in a hospital and found out that Dave, her fiance, had died in the North Tower. So there's like three people there, like back to back, that have like, here's a part of the story, but they died. Here's a part of the story, but they died. But here's a part of the story, but they died. But how did she know three names to like do that with? That's my thing. Google. Yeah, but- Newspapers. True that. Mrs. Head has said she established a foundation in his memory, Dave's Children Dave's Children Foundation. That sounds weird. And has served as an executive director, but there are no registration records of such a charity on file with the federal government or with New York State. Sounds like a way to get some money. A colleague of Miss Head said she had told her that she met Dave when they were fighting over a taxi and that he gave her his business card, which she threw away in a huff. But about a month later, she has said they ended up at the same business meeting and soon started to date. So somebody else is now, like, verifying the story. Right. A colleague said Miss Head had turned up for the last three anniversaries at Ground Zero to place a small replica of a yellow cab and flowers there in honour of David and Melanie. It does sound like a great plot to a movie. I mean, it really, really does. Um, in a, a really sad movie. I definitely cried in that one. Yeah, maybe. A 
I give it a maybe. Do you give it a maybe? Anyway, we're in the final we can do this, stretch, guys. guys. This is the last bit. Discrepancies in details. Because we haven't already found those yet. Ms. Head has told several people that shortly before 9-11, she and Dave went to Hawaii. Me where too. they recognised their commitment to each other in a ceremony that was not legally recorded. Oh, this bitch is ridiculous. <laughs> Several people said she had told them that the official wedding was to be held in October 2001 in New York City, but that the couple had already begun to live together on the east side with their golden retriever, Elvis. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Elvis. And as I was reading over KB's shoulder, I just turned my head to face directly at her face hole. What? What? It's a story made for us. It kind of was, I guess. Mm. Not a conspiracy, but still one that found its way. Yeah, into our loving arms. We don't really love it. We've got to give it back after we finish this podcast. Yeah. So it's. There's a lot of miming there that no one else but KB saw. (laughs) Now I'm disturbed. Night recording! (laughs) In recent days, though, an associate of Ms. Head's, Janice Salento, yep, a social worker who is on the board of the Survivors Network, has said that Ms. Head told a different version of her life with Dave, relating now that they had only known each other for a few months and that their relationship had been kept secret from his family. Previously, Ms. Salento said Ms. Head had told her that she knew Dave's family well. And that the couple had been living together for some time. So, plot hole number one. Most recently, last weekend, Miss Salento said Ms. Head told her in a phone conversation that her relationship with Dave had been a fantasy. This makes me feel sick. Mm-hmm. And really, I, mean, I was already feeling ill. Now no, but, more Ill. yeah. <laughs> but can you imagine, like, just like having a really inappropriate crush on someone, having them die, and then you being like, now I'm tell the world. Kind of convinced your now in death, you're mine. Yeah, that's creepy. Stop. Stop. There's that. What's that movie where she just accidentally is at the hospital and they assume that she's the girlfriend? Oh, Overboard. Is it Overboard? Overboard. She falls off, it Sandra, off. Is it Sandra Bullock in that one? No, this is um, Goldie Hawn. She falls. Oh. Falls overboard, and they don't assume he kind of convinces them that right. she is. It's very rapey upon reflection. Didn't pick that up as a kid. Picked it up now. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. Well, thank goodness I picked it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> in fact, the family and several friends of Dave, whose full name is being withheld by the Times to protect their privacy, cool said name. they had never heard of Tanya Head. Surprise! His mother said none of her son's email messages had indicated such a relationship. Both his parents and his roommate, with whom he lived in Manhattan, said they knew of no trip that he had taken to Hawaii. Mm. Surprise, surprise. In recent years, colleagues say Ms. Head seemed dedicated to the cause of uniting and supporting the 9-11 survivors. She earned no money as president of the Survivors Network or as a volunteer to a guide at Ground Zero, and colleagues remember events that she sponsored at her own apartment. She's fucking grim. I mean... That section, I feel like she wants to help and she's trying to help and no, she, she is doesn't. helping. No, but she, doesn't. she also kind of wants to keep in the spotlight and keep us going. Correct. That's what she actually wants is the like, really I was there. Mm. Oh, woe is me. Take pity on me. Mm. You make me sick, you psychopath. 
I still get moved when I think of her dignified, understated talk about an unimaginable, unimaginable and horrible loss, said Rabbi Craig Miller, who arranged the program at, say it again, Baruch, that included Ms. Head. Mr. Zimbler of the Survivors Network said he survived, he believed Alicia was Ms. Head's given name, which now we know is true. Yes. It's not Tanya at all. She even lied about her name. Jefferson Crowther, Wellers, Wells, Wellhead, Wells, Wells, Crowther's father, said in an interview that with the help of another tribute centre tour guide, he and his wife met Miss Head early last year. Mr. Crowther said that he arranged for them all to have dinner in a private dining room at the Princeton Club because Miss Head had indicated she was uneasy about meeting in a very public place. <coughs> Bullshit. During the dinner, she said she still had been uh, she still had her burned clothing and was going to send us a piece of it on a plaque since it was one of the last things our son had touched. He recalled. She explained that her clothes were on fire and that our son took a jacket and put out the flames. She told us that she said, "Don't leave me," and he replied, "I won't. Don't worry. I'll get you down." She seemed so heartfelt and genuine about what she said to us, Mr. Crowther said. I and that is the end of the this particular article, but there is so there are so many articles written about her um, and the claims that she made. Um, this is probably the nicest one. Oh her, really. yeah, the, what I had known of her before, I think it was actually a YouTube video that I watched. Yes, there are heaps of YouTube. Yeah, videos. it was not as flattering. No, um, I mean you kind of get the the general. Just Just of it, yeah. This is so sad. It's really, but also, what like what compels a person? You know what I think, KB. Yes, Julie. What do you think? You and I, we have this little thing called talent, (laughs) um, which some other people don't possess. Okay, and I sometimes I think it drives people to do real crazy things to be feel like they're important or be in the spotlight, yeah. where we maybe just don't have that drive. Because yeah. I'm like, don't put me in the spotlight, fine. please. Here I am, just recording a podcast, so you don't have to see my face. <laughs> <laughs> that said, <laughs> but like, yeah, I think some people like if they don't have something, they want to create something, and the only way to create something is through mm. sadness and catastrophe and oh woe is me. Really Same as like Munchausen's kind of thing. I think I'm like, but I think I'd understand it more if she was getting something financially out of it. That's mostly people's motivator, right? Money. Mostly, but I, I think she just enjoys a big old ego stroke too. Yeah. Oh, let us know what you think, guys. Yeah, guys, that's the end of the article. Um, look, I'm just feeling a little disheartened by humanity. Um, <laughs> And so, if you'd like to listen to our other episodes to get your mood back up, then... You and know, they're down, and they're back up, and then they're down. <laughs> or just you never know what you might find. There are plenty of nighttime recordings like this one that keep you uh, <laughs> on the edge of your seat. Um, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or via your favourite podca- uh, podcatcher. Of choice. Of choice. Subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you're thinking. If that is not enough for you, you can find us on Facebook at Elvis Lives Podcast or email us. Elvis Lives Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and other than that, let's just play us on repeat until you hear our voices again, but like totally new and stuff you haven't heard before. Wow! <laughs>
wow. I know, crazy. All right. We'll see you next week or whatever day that might be, guys. Bye. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.